welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking, out-of-the-box minds in health, consciousness, mindset, and spirituality. This show inspires our listeners to improve their body and mind, and our intention is to fuse and unlock the conscious warrior and shift the balance in the current paradigm. Look, I think, I think your body is your church. I think the, the earth and our galaxy is God, you know, and I think that we're, we're literally such miracles. I mean, the, the ability for us to, to just acknowledge our existence, there is certainly a spiritual sense to that. Just the pure magnitude of how special we are, like how incredible these, these, these things are, these, these biological machines that we're getting to walk around in every single day of your body rewards you for movement the yeah. mind the body the spirit all those things that's one there's so much that we don't know about how complex the body is a computer wishes that it was like the brain i mean a, a computer is is barbaric in comparison to the brain i think if i had that time machine I would abuse it a little bit and I would I would go back to all of these points right before someone did something extraordinary that was thought not possible. And going back to what people are ready to listen to, you know, look, people may not have been able to even hear that concept five, ten years ago. Imagine the electricity that's happening in that person and around that person when they're about to do something spectacular that your body is this miraculous machine and it 100% wants to and has an incredible will to heal itself hey what is up everyone in this episode of the Sen podcast we're joined by movement expert mike fitch Mike is the creator of a movement called Animal Flow, where they're all about moving the human body in many different ways, incorporating animal movements to tap and increase the flow of the human body. As you guys know, natural movement is something that we've covered a little bit on this podcast so far over the episodes we've done. However, in this episode, we really wanted to go deeper and discuss and look at the communication of the human body. And talk about the intelligence that is present everywhere in our bodies. We talked about the neuromuscular communication. And how the human body isn't just a physical matter. It's a spiritual practice. We talked about meditation and the correlation with movement. We even went very deep and touched on expanding consciousness in the mind via movement. And do they even belong together or even coincide? It's very interesting stuff and even just good to think about. Does the inner world open up itself through movement and the deep connection with the body it develops? Maybe it does. Anyway, this was such a great conversation. And before we jump with this podcast, also please don't forget to leave a review of the podcast. And just let us know what you think. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Fitch. Hey, you all right? Hey, hey, 
Hey guys. How's it how's it going? Uh yeah, it's going good. Oh cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, are you having a good day? Yeah, it's a great day. You know, it's uh I'm I'm in Miami at the moment. I live in Miami where I'm not traveling and so Summer in Miami, well, you know, any time in Miami is not a bad time. The weather yeah, is definitely. always beautiful. Uh, if you like hot weather like I do, then it's the place to be. Yeah, definitely. We've got some uh, nice weather here at the moment. It's normally quite bad here, isn't it? Yeah, I know. We just, yesterday it was just thundering and raining. Today it's beautiful. sunny. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful today. Now, where are you guys based exactly? We're in the UK, like the north of the UK. Okay, cool. So it's like the colder part. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah, so literally, cool. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's actually, so we think it's probably nice outside, but it's probably cold for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would pro- I'd probably be freezing, but I guess it's all relative, right? <laughs> yeah. Have you been Have you been doing some movement today? Oh, oh, yeah, I usually start training. I'll start my movement practice at around 4.30 a.m. I usually wake up at about 3.30, and I've got a series, wow. series of routines that I kind of do throughout the morning, so... Usually by the time it gets to be noon, I've put in quite a day. Three thirty. <laughs> oh yeah, that's incredible. That like three <laughs> thirty. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting. I've always, I it, intuitively, my body always has always woken up at around three a.m. And I used to really fight it, and I always complained of of being an insomniac. And then eventually I just thought, you know what, if this is something that my body is finding balance in, um, maybe I should just go with it and stop fighting it. So basically, of course, that meant I'd have to start back, start backtracking and try to get in bed by 9 p.m. or 9.30. So the, the social life suffers a bit um, if I want to get a good night's sleep, but it's, it's my routine. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think that's what you've got to do. You've just got to be able to listen to your body. And I think if your body's seeing do that, you've just got to listen to that and tap into that and do you know what I mean? And that's a huge part of it. And I think that's one of, you know, that's one of the biggest challenges that we have as human beings is there's so much innate intelligence there, uh, of course, that we can talk about later. But, um, yeah. you know, it's just just being available and being able to acknowledge and listen is, man, I mean, that's half the battle in itself. Yeah, definitely. I think um, like even for us, like both of us, really, just even just movement of the human body, it, it's something that really fascinates both of us, doesn't it? Yeah. And we're just even just really interested by even what the um, if you think about the what the dynamics of actually movement actually brings to us. Like we we kind of never get away from the fact that before anything else that we're first movers. And you know that's such a huge thing, and that's such a huge thing that's understated and underplayed, and gets takes a backseat to everything else that we perceive as, as priority. When in fact it should be the most important thing that we continue to do since our series of evolution is just a blink on the timeline. Um, you know, we're, we're still, of course, essentially cavemen, as you guys know. So it's like, yeah. you know, trying to take that, that body that's, that still thinks that we're hunter gatherers, et cetera, and lock it into a chair all day is, it's just ridiculous. And, and we're starting, you know, and we're really seeing the, the downside of that. Yeah, definitely. Mike, I know as well that like, you've had like quite a, um, a journey in movement. Like, I was wondering, like, what drew you to like researching movement of the human body and trying to like understand the flow of the body? Uh, well, you know what? Um, I started my career in as a personal trainer, and I had always been a personal trainer since I was 18 years old. I was always into fitness when I was younger. It was something my dad and I would do uh, as kind of a, a bonding experience. And I was lucky enough to start with a, a gym chain that put an incredible amount of attention and emphasis on 
educating their trainers. And so being lucky enough to start in that situation, I just, I started this fascination at a very young age with how incredible the body is and just how infinitely complex it is. And so I would spend all of my, my entire training session just observing my clients and in my head kind of breaking down, you know, at that point it was all anatomy. So I was all, always, always looking, watching, breaking down, okay, what muscles are the prime movers, what's working to stabilize, you know, what's being the, the concentric, what's, you know, what, like just breaking down all the biomechanics of the body. And I just loved it. And I would just geek out so much about it. And I really got into all these different realms of, you know, performance, really got into the pre post rehab side of it. So figuring out how the body becomes injured, and then how it heals and what we can do to expedite that process. And going through all these different modalities, uh, as most trainers or fitness people do, you know, I went through everything from Olympic lifts, kettlebell training, sports specific training, and eventually got to the point to where I was just lifting a lot of weights and wanted to get as massive as I could. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was probably 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And guys, I got to tell you, it would just, I didn't feel good in my body. Mm, and yeah. so I started going, you know what, if I feel like this at 30 years old, how am I going to feel when I'm 60 years old? And I really started getting into that concept of to train to last and what is the function of my training? What am I trying to do? And so with that in mind, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do the exact opposite. So I'm going to put down the weights 100% and I'm just going to explore body weight disciplines. So I got into gymnastics, got into parkour and free running, got into break dancing, got into some circus arts, hand balancing. And I was just, you know, one, I was... I was amped up. I was fired up. I was so fully inspired. But then in the same token, I was shocked at how bad I wasn't moving my body. So as much time as I spent on working my body, I had very little ability to work my body when it came down to it. Yeah, definitely. But uh, Mike, at least you understood your body, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people as well, like really don't. And I think that's why... Right now, more than ever, people need to have this deep understanding of movement. Like, they need to attach themselves to this power of movement. And, like, unfortunately, like we've been seeing there, like, there are a majority of people who are even held back by their bodies. Like, a lot of people are held prisoner to their own body. Some people can only walk a few feet. Some people are even bedridden. Like, their body's potential is lost in this idea of they're not good enough. Like, some people find it too easy to stay in its comfort zone. And after a while, it's easy for your mind and body to get attached to the idea that, oh, I don't need to waste any more energy than I need to. And then the next thing they know, they become physically tired and exhausted because they don't know how to physically use their body. And that's a really powerful point. Uh, And, you know, something I always like to talk when that topic comes up is, is talk about how our body's number one goal is to sustain life. And part of sustaining life is conserving energy. So going back to exactly what you said is, if we don't give it a reason or enough stimulus to continue to adapt, then it finds a very easy, steady state. So it has no reason to adapt, and it's not going to, because adapting to a new stimulus um, is energy demanding, and you're going to expend more energy to do it. So 
if someone gets locked in that spiral of doing the same thing day after day, their body's already figured out how to expend the least amount of energy possible to do the day-to-day chores or the things that that body's going to experience. And so one of my things is always, you know, one, go try new things, be really bad at something, because just in that act of trying something completely new, you're experiencing your body not only physically but also mentally to stimulus that can change your whole physiology. So, you know, and because we may have patterns that are similar to a new movement, the specificity of doing a new movement is so powerful that just by trying that thing, our body goes into this alarm reaction phase where it's going, how can I figure out how to do this thing that you want me to do? It's going through all of its past experiences. It's linking it up with things that it may have done that are similar to that at some point then your brain is trying to fire and figure out what does it have to do in your motor control center? What messages do they have to send out to figure out how to coordinate your body through space, not get hurt? Then you have the fear component. There's just, it's this amazing spectrum of different systems working together. And it can be something as simple as going out and learning how to you know, take a new dance class or going out and, and you know, trying in uh, yoga if you've never tried it before or doing anything different than what you would normally do and if that's just sitting on the couch then it could be going out for a walk yeah de- definitely I mean like Mike um, what when you were going back there about your story before and like how you started with like bodybuilding as well and like sorry not bodybuilding but like weight training and building mm. building up your body your body that that really res- resonates with like me and Dan because it's very similar to us like you started off your journey like like many of us, like by having this keen interest for health and fitness, and you start off with weightlifting, and then you switch from like focusing on building a body to moving one. Mm. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's huge, and I think that goes goes pretty hand in hand with what a lot of people are suffering from, which is the illusion of health and the illusion of when we get this body that we perceive as the perfect body, then we'll find happiness in it. Yeah. And there's that that lays a very shaky foundation because you see a lot of people out there who are aesthetically beautiful, but on the inside and on the inside, meaning that either they're not healthy because they're just so pumped full of, you know, maybe supplements or uh, performance enhancing drugs or whatever. That's neither here nor nor there. But their body is not experiencing health fully. Then on the other side of that, you know, you have the you have the mental side of it and our perception of self. And you may have someone who's the biggest guy in the gym, but every time he looks in the mirror, he sees this skinny kid that gets picked on. You know, so then you have that side of the spectrum. And so, you know, I think what it all comes down to is is finding balance within all of those things. And you know, just one modality may not be the thing that's going to address our infinitely complex body. So, you know, I think it is easy, especially for us guys, because we're so pumped full of testosterone and images really affect us is, you know, we wanted, we want to experience that feeling of being big and being strong and being masculine, but reaching those goals don't necessarily mean that we're going to experience our vessel, our body any better. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I, as well, it resonates up because I, I keep saying to people all the time that like, we only have one body for our entire life. Well, in this existence anyway. But like, you better obviously we better learn how to use it and learn how it works properly. And that, but I think though, when it does like comes to fully understand the human body, though, I think it also takes like for my thinking, it takes people who are like are really seeking, like are really trying to seek that knowledge to move their body in a better way. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And in my own experience. You know, I think there has to be there has to be a catalyst. So there has to be something that that will change your view or you just have to be ready to listen to it. You know, I've had people that have come through an animal flow workshop, let's say, and they've taken the workshop. and, And then I've seen them two years later and they've come up to me and go, now I understand. Now, now I can hear it. Now, now I know the message. Now it resonates with me. Uh, two years ago, I couldn't even hear you because my understanding of what I thought the health was or the perfect, the ideal body was so one dimensional. And so we get that all the time where again, it's that perception of what's going to make me happy. And then realizing that you have to be ready for the message. Yeah, I think as well, when you said that, I think it does, it takes someone to walk on the other side first because like obviously that's where in, in the beginning they are thinking one dimensional in terms of movement like you were seeing, but then to be more diverse and realize where they are now, that's what they need to do. They need to live that journey so they can actually appreciate it. But I think, I think as well, a lot of times people are like, people are doing what they think they're supposed to do. And like, that's why we need to become more conscious with our movement. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes back to experiencing different things. You know, uh, so I'm such a huge advocate of <clears throat> going out and trying new things. And whenever someone's first starting in the health exercise paradigm, it's very confusing. There's so much information out there. There's so much competing information. There's so much uh, conflicting information. There's, you know, the diet of the week. There's the perfect body in no time. There's all these things. And the problem with that is someone who's just getting started doesn't know how to weed through all that information and find out where to begin. And so usually what they end up doing is jumping into some extreme or some fad or something like that. And they're not giving their body enough gentle kind of introduction into something new. And they're not listening to it to see if it's something that actually fits well or gels with them. And so... You know, I think that it's such a slippery slope there to where you can start to get into these different styles of training and not really know where to begin or where to go or how to how to deal with the, with the injuries that may be popping up. So going back to exactly what you said, that's where listening to your body and becoming conscious of your body and your place in space is huge. So many people walk around completely disconnected from their system. So they're spending all day long, you know, what 168 hours a week, um, you know, in a chair, laying down, seated, doing all these things, and then they go and work out, and maybe they're only working out for you know two, maybe three times a week, and they're doing it really, really intense for those two or three hours. But you have to then look at that in 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 the whole picture and say, wow, you know, what are you doing the 166, 167 hours that you're not training? What are you doing with your body? How are you experiencing the vessel that you're in? And that becomes a huge message because the more conscious they can become about the connection with their body, then the experience is completely different. So, and, and so, you know, movement programs, the cool thing about a movement program and now the recent popularity 
or popularization of movement programs is it's causing people to reconnect with their systems. Because so often we think about putting energy into an external object. I'm putting my focus in moving this object from point A to point B. But with a movement program, it allows them to start thinking about, now I have to control my body. I have to be aware. I have to be conscious. And I have to be accountable for my movement and my navigation of my body through space. And that, if nothing else, encourages connection. And so it makes them start to think about their body in a proprioceptive way more often throughout the day, throughout the week. And then they really begin to start to listen. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Mike, uh, just like, like you said, like in just going out there and the only way we can like really become more connected and conscious is like I said, just going out there and exploring these different art forms and techniques. Like, even if it's just taking up a different sport, it like still gives your body these this different sense of movement and direction. And Mike, this leads me on something I wanted to touch on, which was um, when you were traveling. Like, I know you mentioned before that like, as well. Like, like, you were searching for this like new identity, sort of. Here, um, what was that like traveling the world and searching for the best of the best in these different movement practices? Well, you know, it's uh, that's that's a great question. I can tell you. <clears throat> My journey, and this was as I was going through my own journey of getting into body weight disciplines and exploring what that was all about, I'd started these different websites. One was called Global Body Weight Training, which was all about you know, tutorials for exercise enthusiasts or personal trainers on how to use just their body and nothing else. And then I also started Animal Flow around the same time. And so part of that was not necessarily going out and finding – the Mr. Miyagi and going out and finding like the very, very best coach or teacher in that particular discipline. What it had really done for me at that time was going out and watching people who were experiencing exercise as part of their life and doing it naturally in a synergy with the earth. And so mm-hmm. it was really about the minimalism. So it was about going out and watching someone, you know, uh, who would, their only form of fitness was maybe surfing or rock climbing or something that that kind of gave homage back to mother nature and they were building these beautiful strong and functional bodies through it so that was a big part of my exploration was figuring out you know how we could sustain our health and what an empowering idea that is that you don't need anything else but the thing that you already have and that you'll have with you for the rest of your life and that's such a powerful idea so, so that was a big part of going out and exploring the world. But then, of course, I'm a huge advocate of finding great coaches. So when I was exploring gymnastics and parkour and breakdancing, I found these really fantastic coaches. And, you know, one of my biggest messages is if, if you want to learn how to do something, find someone that knows how to do it and just spend money on and make an investment in that experience because it can be something that is completely life-changing. So, and it certainly was for me, and it allowed me to, to be really bad at a lot of different things and then break it down having a little bit of experience or quite a bit of experience with how the body works with being able to look at it and go, what am I doing wrong and how can I fix it? And, and have you guys ever heard of the book uh, Talent Code? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in that book, he does a, has a great explanation of, of deep practice and – Deep practice is what encourages 
the, basically the brain to work uh, and create myelination or increase its its ability to communicate. And it's that 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 ability to do something, figure out exactly, or or do something not 100% perfect, and then figure out what it is that's keeping you from doing it perfectly. Create a strategy and then try it again, and then try it again, and then try it again. It's not just repeating a thing, but it's actually figuring out what is that thing that's inhibiting me from doing this, and then working towards it. And that's what a really great coach can be so helpful for in that type of situation. So I got off the, the subject a little bit, but I can tell you, um, going forward, this next phase, uh, actually I'm, I'm two weeks, three weeks away from leaving Miami and going on this kind of mission quest around the world where I'll be doing a bit more of what the original question was, which the whole idea is to spend about four to six weeks in each region of the world that we have either an animal flow community in or a bodyweight athlete community in, um, and give love, give energy, give attention to those people so we can all continue to learn from each other. But also in that quest, it will be to spend time with movement practitioners of all disciplines. So we'll literally be going, you know, I'll be going into different communities, whether it's Tai Chi, yoga, rock climbing, parkour, and just trying to spend time with these people and then figure out ways that we can all come together and have these kind of movement jams where we can all learn from each other. Oh, that's pretty cool. That, like, that really is cool. And like when you were talking about a coach there, like Mike, um, I think that's that that is quite powerful. Like because a coach does see things different and can point out things that you can't can't see, and that is what it's all about. Like, and but that's so powerful as well. Like that like you actually search this world through your own, like through your own eyes, and that like this world is beautiful. It's a beautiful place, and. And the only true way to enjoy this planet is by looking and seeking it through our own eyes, and that's what I really find amazing. And when you did that, like when you when you travel the world, like you've seen you've seen the best of the best competing in these different sort of areas, and and that's what's special. Like you understood the value of it, the value of a coach, and they've given you this discipline, and that's what's amazing. Yeah, and you you really hit the nail on the head when you said that to have a different perspective or a different set of eyes on you. And that's key. And because our, our experience may not be reality. So our experience and the way that we experience our body, we may not be doing what we think that we're doing. And especially if you come in contact with someone who has a little bit distorted sense of self. So where they are in space, their spatial awareness is off. Maybe they haven't done that much coordination, high coordination or high neural load training or movement training before. And to have someone else that's watching you and going, okay, I see what you think that you're doing. This is what you're actually doing. And how can we find out a strategy that's going to help you bring those two together? Yeah, definitely. I think that's powerful because I think when you said that, Mike, I think as well, it could just be, it doesn't have to be like necessary, like a, a proper coach. It could just be like a friend who's there to advise you as well and they're on the journey alongside you with you as well, like in the gym or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and that's, I mean, I, and I think a coach and, and in a bigger sense, a teacher can be anybody, right? It doesn't have yeah. to be someone that has that diploma or has that, that uh, certification. It can actually be someone that's there with you in the experience and is helping you in a multitude of ways. Yeah, definitely. Something I want to touch on with you, Mike, as well. Um, 
with obviously with the movement of the body I've, I've talked a bit about this on a podcast before about a movement of the human body like talking about how it's not just like a physical matter it's like a spiritual practice do you feel that a hundred percent a hundred percent you know i think look i think i think your body is your church i think the the earth and our galaxy is god you know and i think that we're we're literally such miracles. I mean, the, the ability for us to, to just acknowledge our existence, there is certainly a spiritual sense to that. And I can tell you, like, just to give you a little bit of backstory, I grew up in the church. My grandfather was the preacher in the church. I grew up in a Methodist church. And it was a big part of my upbringing um, until I was about 15 or 16. My parents were super cool. And they said, look, if we're going to invite you every Sunday. If you choose not to come with us, that's fine. And um, so after that, I, you know, I had different relationships with religion. Um, but I think, you know, everything had, had turned more into a, a spiritual practice. And I can tell you 100% that I feel closer to a God and my spirituality since I've spent significant time honoring my body. Yeah, I like that. It is. It, it, I like that my, because I, I really resonate with that on my journey as well. And it is. It, it is. It's a process of reconnecting back to our bodies. And it, it in a way, it's like we've actually forgot where we've come from. Yeah. And you know, and just just the pure magnitude of how special. And I mentioned that earlier, but just how special we are. Like how incredible these 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 things are. These these biological machines that we're getting to walk around in every single day. And we lose sight of that. And I think it's so easy to get caught up on other things and forget that we're these miracles walking around. And yeah. the more that we can honor that and give energy and acknowledgement back to that, I just think it changes our existence completely. Yeah, I think as well, it, my thinking as well, it's like, a, it's like a process of communication with the body as well. Because I think it's really interesting how actually the body does communicate with the mind. And I think when we, when we think about, when we do actually think about it, like, Many people don't think about this, but what does it actually take for like a signal to go all the way from your mind to your big toe? It's crazy. People don't think about things like that. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, and, and the craziest, craziest thing is, there's just there's so much that we don't know about how complex the body is, and you know, yeah. the 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 amount of of headway that they're making in neuroscience. I think it's something that they've made the most huge leaps and bounds over just the last twenty years. And even with that being said, we're still only in a percentage of understanding of the entire thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even if you just think about it, like there's, there's intelligence everywhere present in our bodies. And like I think sometimes as well, um, I can think of a lot of people like I t I've talked about this with Chris quite a bit, but many people like define um, intelligence by like what they can see. Like people think, oh, it's just a mobile phone or it's a car or a laptop. But the thing is, I was thinking about this day, and I was speaking with you about this, wasn't yeah, that a day? Yeah. Like, if you think about it now, like, our bodies are actually sending, like, a text message or even email right now. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing, the thing about that is they always use the comparison that the brain is like a computer, which is completely backwards. A computer yeah. wishes that it was like the brain. I mean, a, a computer is, is barbaric in comparison to the brain. Yeah, definitely. I mean, before, Mike, as well, when you were talking about uh, the neuroscience as well, I don't know if you've heard of this study, but um, it was actually a study, um, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it, like, it took a group of people like to practice juggling, and then half the group succeeded and half the group didn't. But like, however, that just the fact that um, both groups just actually like, participated in some form of like, new, uh, new movement caused like a reaction called um, neuroplasticity. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, obviously, that's the creation of like extra neural pathways. 
to, like in a change in changes in the brain. But it's just amazing how like that that study actually showed and um, occurred that when people like learn these new movement patterns, it's amazing. Well, and that's yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, which is just trying something new um, begins, or even excuse me, deep practice begins really encourages that process of myelinization within the brain, mm-hmm. you know. And again, just like you had mentioned, the neuroplasticity. So if we look at if we look at uh, diseases of neurodegeneration, so like uh, Alzheimer's, I believe dementia. So those are examples of demyelinization. So whenever those those that that conductor, whenever the 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 conduct the wrapping basically starts to deteriorate and the synapses are not communicating as well, that's when we start to get brain dysfunction. Um, so the so just trying new things can help continue to stimulate the brain. I think that's what people don't realize is that, yeah. that it's not just a body thing. We're not just living in this physical body. You know, it's not just our biceps and our core and all that great stuff, but it's also, you know, it's how our brain works and we need to always be working our brain out and encouraging it to grow and change and become better through new stimulus just as, as well as we would with our body. Yeah, I think we've definitely got to realize that it's um, causing some effect that like is actually like building new cells in the brain via movement. But I think as well, um, my thing as well, I think us as humans like we do thrive on the new. And I think us as humans, like people don't really think about, it, but we are one of the most complex moves on the planet. And I think if we're learning, like 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 we've been seeing, if we're learning new movements every single day, our brains always like completely working and being like and being challenged to like achieve and acquire these new skills. And I think that's so powerful. Could I- Sorry, sorry, Mike. Before I answer, could I just step in and just uh, like say, like, um, should you be like learning a new skill every day, or should you be just practicing like one skill like over a short bit of time and just starting to get some feel of it? Well, you know, that's a really great question, and that opens up a lot of different doors because the thing is, is that we always want to encourage the adaptation process, right? So. If we are always, every single day, trying something new, that would have its own benefit, 100%. But Mm. the benefit of trying something new and then progressively trying to get better at it while our body is trying to adapt to the stimulus and creating neural patterns and creating movement patterns to become more efficient at that, there's a lot of gold in that as well. But the thing is, whenever we're doing we're trying something, we're getting new stimulus from this thing, we're going through the adaptation process. If the stimulus is too great or too quickly, then our body can't adapt properly. If it's not enough, then it has no reason to adapt. So we're always trying to look for that sweet spot of adaptation. And that, that kind of goes back to the deep practices, working just outside of your current ability or also known as your current comfort zone. Yeah. Right. So it's working just outside of that. But then going and doing something completely different also has its own range of benefits. So I think it's finding the maybe you try something new and then you you put energy and deliberate energy into getting better at it. And then maybe you have a secondary thing of going, all right, you know what else? On Saturdays, I'm going to go out and try a new game. Or I'm going to go out and play this or go to a class or do you know something completely outside of my comfort zone but that's not going to negate 
it or change the fact that I'm also doing putting in work towards obtaining this new skill. Yeah, mm. I like that. Thanks, thanks, Mike. You really clarified a lot of that up there. To be honest. Awesome. Uh, Mike, Mike, something else I was wondering: um, how much of your practice in movement and your journey through movement does the aspect of meditation play into your movement? Huge, huge part. Huge part. And I'm I'm so into meditation in different ways, and I think that meditation can take many forms. Um, yeah. You know, a friend of mine, Dr. Mark Chang, we were having a conversation about meditation, and he said, look, meditation is, in, in a classic sense, it's all about breath and posture. And I kind of understood that as, okay, so it's, it's an opportunity for you to acknowledge two things that optimize your life. So we have to have good posture for our body to system, or excuse me, for our systems to work uh, to their maximum potential, and we have to have oxygen in order for us to live. So if we're taking time to work on just those two things, and we're actually paying attention to our breath and posture, we're essentially honoring them for their service to us. And that's the way I kind of broke it down in my head, and I use that same concept for movement. So whenever we move, and we move in multiple directions, and we explore all of these new ranges, and we use our body in all these incredible ways that it's designed to be capable of moving, we're honoring it. We're honoring it for a potential ability that we have. And part of that should be connecting with our breath through movement, but then also allowing our mind to be present with what we're doing at that current time. And so I think movement meditation is a beautiful practice because Hopefully, there aren't any other distractions, and it's hard for your mind to wander into the past or present when you have to just be aware and present in your current movement. Yeah. Mike, I liked how you said like meditation can, can take up many forms, and it really can. And obviously, through my journey, I've understood that as well. But I think as well, we can still, you can still find like stillness in the mind when you're moving as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I think you know, one of my favorite things, especially with my animal flow practice, is we have a couple of different movements, like a lot of our things that would resemble more breakdancing style are what we call switches yeah. and transitions. And the switches and transitions allow us to kind of go from one movement to the other. And in, in animal flow, if anyone you know, doesn't know what that is, of course, it's, uh, it's all quadrupedal. So it's all hands and feet in contact with the ground and doing these different movement sequences. And it can be completely random or we can choreograph different movement sequences or you can react by a coach who's calling out the movements to you. But anyway, I like to string together. I'll actually go in and with the intention of doing a movement meditation practice, and I'll string together these circular motions that are just looping. So they're just looping, and they're never ending. And in doing so, I can literally close my eyes, concentrate on the breath, and find complete stillness in the motion. But then if you look at it from another side and you say, wow, uh, excuse me, experiencing rotation through all of these angles and these different sequences, now I'm really stimulating my human balance system, which is made up of my proprioception, so my feel, as well as my vestibular system, so like my inner ear coordination and balance. Then I'm also, if my eyes are open, I'm getting ocular feedback, or if they're not open, they're closed, then I'm shutting off that sensory feedback, and now I'm increasing hopefully the other sensory systems. So it's like yeah. there's there's just, it, there's so much great stuff going on there. 
Yeah, there is, Mike, and as well, when you were talking about, like, obviously increasing all these different things, there's so many things that we don't really understand, and, but, like, there's something I wanted to ask you, and I want to ask your opinion, because this has been something I've been thinking about through my journey, but I was wondering, like, do you think, like, what do you think about, like, expanding consciousness and the mind via movement? Like, what's your thoughts? Do you think that them two belong together, or, like, even coincide? Uh, expanding consciousness via movement? Uh, yeah. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, I think... You know, I I was listening to um, to one of your podcasts with uh, Wim Hof. All right, yeah, cool. And I mean, great podcast. That guy's just a, a machine. And yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, just some of the most fascinating things that he was talking about that, of course, have are now validated with science. And you know, I think I think there's just so much that we are not yet to understand that just comes innate innately packaged into our body that we're just now starting to become, you know, get on the cusp of understanding. Yeah. And maybe, the, of course, there have been those in history who have understood it on a much higher level. And now the rest of us are kind of coming around to some of these concepts. But I think consciousness through movement, 100%. Yeah, it is. It's a great time. Because, like, even just the fact that, like, we're, exp- we're like, like talking about things like this, it's a great time because it allows our minds to go wondering, like, imagine what is actually really happening through the process of movement. But I love it, and I think it's it is really interesting. It's it's something that I always ask myself when I'm doing the movement practices. Like, is this affecting my consciousness? And I think as well, even just on like my thinking, just even on a factual scale, we don't need to, like actually fully understand what's going on. But it's still good to think about it and place our minds into them deeper levels of thinking on how actually movement does like correlate on an inner unlocking something deeper, yeah. like consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's look. Just the fact that you're having that thought, and we're now having this conversation, and anyone who's listening may also be exploring that concept. Yeah. That's huge. So just yeah. that in itself is huge because now you're encouraging people to start questioning their practices and how that encourages more consciousness. So collectively, it's a you know it's a shift in consciousness, and yeah. I think this is one of the most exciting times in the health and wellness paradigm uh, that, that has existed because now we have this beautiful mix of science and technology and where we're coming to understand on a whole new level but then we're also bringing in some of these uh, uh, eastern and older practices of meditation and, and understanding consciousness and, and mindfulness and it's just it, it's it's incredible what's happening and going back to what people are ready to listen to, you know, look, people may not have been able to even hear that concept five, ten years ago. You know, yeah, people, like, people that weren't 100% already in that idea, you know, it would have maybe been considered like too, you know, woo-woo or off the, the charts ten years ago. Now, there's such a bigger audience to that. And I think that there has been this collective shift. And, you know, look, maybe it's a, maybe it's a recoil or it's a it's uh, you know something that's happening because there's so much other horribly negative things happening in the world. We're starting to see that the 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 backlash to that is almost like this this shift towards love and consciousness and enjoying each other and ourselves. Um, you know, I had the coolest experience the other day. Just really quick story, but I always go to this spot on the beach where no one else is. And I usually go there at sunrise almost every single morning. And the other morning I went there and there were seven, ten people spread out along the beach who were either meditating, doing some sort of yoga practice, doing some sort of self, 
reflection, writing. It was the most incredible thing. And I, and I just thought to myself, like, what an incredible experience that I, over the past couple of years, I've never seen anyone here. And now all of a sudden, people are starting to realize that there's, you know, there's a connection with themselves, nature and each other. It's just, it's an incredible shift. Yeah, I was going to say as well, mate, that's a beautiful story. And that, 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 even that story resonates with me because when I was on um, holiday about three weeks back, I actually did the same. I did the same thing as you. I went down to the beach every single morning. And I did like a morning routine, with the sunrise like coming up, and there was people who were sitting beside us, and they were just like they were just sitting embracing the sun. But then they were watching me do my movement practice, and just because I was doing my movement practice, they were actually started saying like, "What are you doing?" And then they started joining in and copying us. And I thought that was a beautiful moment. Man, it really is. And you know that's the thing. It's movement promotes movement, and whether that's in your own body or it's simulating or or copying someone else or seeing someone going hey can I do that what are you doing you know because mm-hmm. there's there's something innate in us that knows that our bodies need this uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Andrew Spina has some really fantastic uh, information that he talks about where you know the body rewards you for movement it gets you high as we all know mm-hmm. um, for moving it and that's just you know that's such an incredible concept I love that idea of your body rewards you for movement. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That is brilliant. I mean, it just reminds me of dancing as well. It's like um, how many people have been like influenced from someone like Michael Jackson or something like that. And like you said, movement promotes movement, and people like mimic that dance and like the moonwalk and stuff like that. And they've got a connection to it. They feel like they're connected to Michael, sort of say, and it's, and it's incredible. Like, and I think through like movement and yoga and other forms of movement like our bodies are all ending up connecting connected like the body the mind and the spirit like we become like more in touch with the world and the power and we actually realize how our body and mind are connected yeah yeah and that's it and i think that's you know and that's also there's a couple things that that brings up which is one you can always see you know okay yeah, I love I love when just someone watching someone else makes them move. I love that. I love when someone's watching someone else dance and now they start swaying or tapping their feet or whatever. I love that. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, you have whenever you have someone who's so who's so good at moving, and whether that's a professional athlete or it's a dancer or it's a whatever, your eye, anyone's eye can look at a movement and it immediately recognizes it as beautiful if it's very efficient and fluid. So when you watch someone who's just a – you may not even be into that thing that you're watching them do, but you can acknowledge that that's an incredible thing that they're doing. Their body is communicating on an, such a high level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Mike, that's something I was thinking that's coming to my mind there. Even if you just think, look back on um, ancient times as well, like – even the, the human connection to like explore movement and yoga or whatever else, it's always been there. Like even just use an example of yoga, like nobody knows for certain how long it's really been around. But even, but if you uh, my thinking now, I know thinking back, a couple of research says that it's about I think it's about five thousand years ago it's been around for. But it's always been considered a method for this um, like a direct connection with the divine. And if you think about it, the word like spirit body body mind and connection it always comes up throughout history and that's why people feel this deep connection with it like deep within our dna is something that we don't understand you know and it's so funny that at points it gets it gets divided so at points they you know for whatever reason they they we try to act like there's a separation and there's no separation the yeah. mind the body the spirit 
all those things, it's one. Like, it's one. There is no separation between them. You just have the opportunity with nurturing different parts of you depending upon, you know, your day or what, you, what energy you're trying to, to put into to what the result is that you want. But, you know, and that, yeah. that's why I love that concept of load variability. And I say load variability, and that sounds like a very kind of fitnessy term. And, and uh, Katie Bowman uses it in her book, Movement DNA, which is a beautiful book, beautifully written book. Um, but it's, yeah, be really strong at things, you know, like lift heavy things, but then go and have, have a flexibility practice and then go and have yeah. a mindful practice and then, you know, go and sprint and then go and walk a really long distance, you know, and it's like just, again, giving energy back to all those different abilities that we have as human beings. Now you're honoring your system. And I think within that honoring, honoring your system goes back to what you were saying, which is now you have a connection to the divine. Mm. And when Dan was talking there about like ancient civilizations, I just want to jump in and just say like the the ancient civilizations like were not just in touch with like the spiritual connection within themselves, but they like had a deep connection with like animals and like obviously this ties in with your philosophy of animal flow and what it stands for. And I think for a long time like we were always in connection with animals. Like mm. so many cultures had this respect and understanding of how animals and humans and animals are connected especially like cultures which practiced kung fu and martial arts like their styles emulate a lot of their fighting styles from animals yeah like the dragon the snake the tiger and many others like these practices are like thousands of years old but they still hold up yeah. and they also prove that the connection that humans have with animals like emulating their style of movement yeah absolutely you know absolutely and i think you know I, it's funny whenever people either first hear about animal flow or they ask about animal flow and you know i'm always the first one to say like look i didn't create animal movements people have been mimicking animal movements for thousands of years um and there's for good reason for that and you know we kind of communicated in our system as we mimic animals with the intention of improving the function of the human animal and I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of power to that and thinking that, you know, we are also, we are animals as well. And we, through our, you know, what we perceive as our human day-to-day -day tasks, we lose the ability to connect with our animal, our inner animal, or the ability to think of ourselves in that way. And so sometimes we have to give people take them so outside of their comfort zone and say, okay, today we're going to act like beasts, apes, and crabs. And now what you're doing is you're putting them in a scenario to where they can let the rest of that stuff go. And they can start thinking about how their body coordinates movements to emulate something or to try to be a different thing. And in doing so, now we're creating communication throughout their entire system. So now their entire body is forced to talk. And, of course, there's the science part of that, which is having both hands and feet in contact with the ground. There's a lot of sensory receptors in our hands and our feet, and they're sending and receiving information about the floor, the, how hard the floor is, how temperature the floor is, and it's sending and receiving information back and forth to the motor control center. There's a lot of very cool things going on. But I think just taking people outside of their human body for just a moment and reconnecting them with – something else that they have, you know, that they may be able to emulate or replicate. 
Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of power there. You know, there's a lot of power there. And that's why it's something that's been used for such a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. There's a great connection there. Oh, it certainly is, and Mike, and that that's why there is something completely special about animals. Like, they are so unique in their own way, especially in their own way of movement. Like, they all embrace the incredible gifts they've been given. Like, they know the importance of movement. Like, in the animal kingdom, it's move or die. You have to just use what you have to, have to live. Like, it's that simple. Like, nothing for animals is comfort. Like, it's all about understanding that body and using it for its desired purpose. Like... Which, unfortunately, like, uh, humans have lost. Like, they have lost the understanding that they need to move the body. So, like I said, like, to animals, movement is everything. Like, live or die. But to humans, like, movement is connected to waste. Like, like I said before, ah, if I'm doing this, it just makes... It's like I'm wasting energy. Like, but it makes me wonder, though, Mike, like, what animals, above all, is the ones, like, humans should mimic to increase their own strength and awareness? Like, it's just really interesting. Yeah, you know, it's... <clears throat> I mean, that's, that, that, of course, ends up being a, a pretty complex question. Um, you know, and it, the, one of the things that, that I always kind of like to play with or whenever we have this conversation about animal flow or, or, you know, doing animal locomotive patterns is I always make it really optional. You know, I tell people, like, look, we don't take this too literally. Like, if there's an animal that you connect with and that this is your spirit animal, and you want to channel that, fantastic. Do it. If this is just something that you think is going to help you experience your body better, and it's really just about your human animal, great, do that. You know, and I think the thing is, what you have to put, you have to create a scenario where people feel successful, and they walk away going, that practice resonated with me. Yeah. And whatever that is, whatever that is, and that's why I always say, like, when people are like, uh, do you think Animal Flow is the best mood, movement program? I say no. I think the best movement program is the one that you enjoy and you feel successful at. The one yeah. that you're going to want to go back and do more. Mm, definitely, Mike. That's, that's incredible. Like, you've definitely got to create a scenario where people feel successful. That's where we're going to see a lot. Of, that's where everyone sees growth, really, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Mike, I think as well, like, I think we... I, I've always thought this. Like, we should look at, like, at all animals and incorporate all their strengths for the best practice. Like... Rest like a sloth, lift like a gorilla, um, run like a cheetah, be aware like an eagle, be as flexible as a cat. Just if we can incorporate all these different characteristics and strengths like of those creatures in our own practice, we could become as like close to perfect as we physically can. That's it, man. I'm, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write that quote down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put that in the manual. <laughs> Mike, I was there. Uh, I was wondering what's um. This is a bit of a different type of question. I want to ask you, but what's your like? What's your favorite like animal to observe? Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I get asked that quite a bit, and my, you know, my answer is I, I just don't. I don't have a favorite. But what I do is so. Let's say, kind of going back to where I live. So whenever I'm home. I live in a part of Miami that's this little hidden neighborhood that used to be um, an area that was considered botanical gardens. So yeah. in this area, you have just these incredible trees and you have all these fo- all this foliage that you don't see in other places in Miami, which means that the animals around are just so unique and so incredible. And I've got these giant lizards that live all around me and I have these giant uh, turkey vultures that just do these incredible aerial acts over top of my, 
my house and I, I have my a big open space uh, roof on my house where I train. That's where my 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 jungle gym is. And so I'll just I'll just be outside and just observing the most incredible aerial shows. Then I'll you know walk down the street and there's a little park that's right on the intercoastal and there'll be dolphins and manatees in the water. And then um, there'll be these pelicans and blue herrings. And it's just impossible for me to see all this incredible wildlife and not just appreciate it so much. Um, You know, it's just, it's going back to what you were saying earlier, it's just acknowledging and keeping our eyes open and being present. And there's so much around us. Of course, I have a little bit more of a luxury because of the tropics that I'm in, but um, there's just so much around us every day. And to be able to observe these animals, which are just being completely present, they're just being what they do, which is being animals. Um, And there's a lot that we can learn from that. You know, there's, there's so much that we can learn from that. And going back to what you were saying earlier is it's, it's, it's just their life. It's what they have to do. And it's not thinking about what's going on tomorrow, not thinking about a fight with your girlfriend, boyfriend, not thinking about what's for dinner. It's just being completely present. And that's always a nice reminder when I see a really, really cool animal in its habitat. Yeah, I think like there's a, there is a, there is so much beauty in the world, and like I really think it it doesn't it, it like it really doesn't matter where you are in the world because no matter where you are in the world, you can always find beauty in every single place. Yeah, yeah, God willing. I mean, and that's the goal, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Mike, I was wondering, um, which which like animal movement do you think is actually the hardest for like humans to recreate? Um, one of the movements that, that I consider to be one of the toughest is something is a crocodile crawl, and in, in the crocodile crawl that we teach, and of course every system is going to teach the animal movements a little bit different, but the one that we teach, it's it's low as low to the ground as possible, and you're in it, the longest lever position possible. So you know when you have one arm, it's fully extended, and, the, and that same leg's fully extended, while the other elbow is underneath the knee. So you're like one side's totally closed down, the other one's fully extended, and whenever you crawl, you move in these circular kind of creeping motions. And it's just, there's not a muscle that can hide. I mean, yeah. it is brutal. <laughs> That's cool. Mike, have you, actually, have you heard of like, um, of Sheegan before? What is it? It's like, um, it's like, basically what you do is you just stand over your body and you shake every single muscle in your body. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I was just wondering if you'd heard of it just because I've never really, I've just, I've came across it about a few months back and I've been like, I've been tapping into the potential of it and incorporating it in my life. But, um. I think it's just an untapped area that people aren't really talking about. Well, you know, I think I think the concept behind that, I think it's, uh, and, and I could be totally wrong, but I think from my understanding, I think the concept behind that is 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 cellular and it's fascial. Um, yeah. uh, and I think you, I think that's also kind of the basis for power plates and the new the new kind of push towards rebounding, so like trampoline work. Yeah, I might. I think I, I, I'm not sure if you think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't think it's that. Is oh it? no. It's like so. Basically, it's like, um, like animal yeah. It's so basically what it is is it's so obviously I started doing it and then I started doing some research and digging into it and basically um, I found that like it's a process that animals do like it's done by most animals in the wild like to remove um, like stagnation and trauma and injury and things like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's a process like that, but um. But for some reason, it's um, like obviously I've been doing it and I've noticed so many like regeneration potential in it. But I think for some reason, I don't know why, but it seems that like cultures like stopped it for some reason. Like the 
maybe it's just because it's like unusual or it's not the normal norm to people mm, mm-hmm. yeah but I even even well obviously I've seen my body respond really well over the last few months and I just think it's a, it's amazing and great too lad like I, I think it is it's a sleeping giant that no one's talking about but um even got me thinking as well even just for like you know like for like UFC fighters and modern mm-hmm. day fights it'll be it's a great like recovery tool for them as well yeah you know look I mean I think I think there's so much that can be learned by going back you know going back um in different body practices and, and just going you know going back and, and, and seeing, you know, some of the things that were used in ancient cultures or, you know, like you said, like, uh, that are used in nature. I think there's, there's, there's so much there. Yeah, definitely. Mike, I was wondering, like, do you still, like, do you still, I know you mentioned before about, uh, like, everyone should still, like, do some form of, like, mix, mix the, the movement, practice up and do some, like, heavy lifting, do running, like, then come back to movement, do some yoga. But I was wondering, like, do you still, I was wondering, like, do you still do some form of weightlifting? And I was wondering, like, if you do, like, is that how do you like transfer like your conscious thinking of like human movement over lifting? What well, obviously like while still transferring the knowledge of like what you know about loading the body now? Mm-hmm. You know that's that's a great question. And actually, we uh, uh, I put out a uh, recently a program called the Bodyweight Athlete, and in the Bodyweight Athlete, it that's all high skill body weight work. So that's like, you know, learning how to do a freestanding handstand push up, a strict ring muscle up, a pistol squat. So it's all based around skill acquisition. Part of that, however, is also showing you how to to load some of these patterns as well. And it's not saying that you have to. So if you want to stay strictly body weight, you can. Uh, if not, you can load these patterns. And to, to the reason that I bring that up is up until I had put out this program or right before I had been body weight only for five years. Well, a hundred percent. And the thing is, is force is force. And whether that's closed chain body load, so body force or it's external load that you're moving through space in open chain force is force. So if you want to create a body that's strong, you can use the resistance of your own body. So there's a lot there, and a lot of people don't realize that, that if you yeah. want to build muscle and put on mass, um, you can still do that. It's just in the way that you either manipulate your body in space or the exercises that you use to create progressive overload. Yeah, I think as well, Mike, a lot of people don't actually realize that we're always fighting gravity as well, and we're always, we're always fighting the shell that we're carrying as well. Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, hey, one of the biggest things that I see most commonly is people rush to add load when they can't even manage the load that they have. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Mike, that was even a process for me. I had actually, to be honest with you, like obviously when I was new to the game of like sort of lifting weights because that's the norm what everyone has, to, like everyone thinks I have to do anyway. And obviously I had, to, I had to go back and I had to retrain all the fundamentals and go back to the body weight stuff. And then now I'm actually doing the, now I've actually done, gone through that process and retrained all the body weight movements. I'm actually thinking now is like, should that, is that what I should be doing all the time? Because, and I was going to ask you about it, Mike, I was wondering, like, I know you said before you've been doing it for five years, but I was wondering, do you, do you actually, in that five year period, do you feel better in your body than you did when you were lifting weights? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Look, yeah. I mean, and, and let me backtrack just a little bit and say, so I was, strictly body weight for all those years and then because I was filming the program and because I wanted to show people that you can use external loads if if you'd like to I started I started I was using weights for the filming and and for the preparation 
look, it was great. I love getting back to kettlebells. I love kettlebells so much. Um, but I can tell you, I felt so much stronger, so much, had so much more control. I was able to recover so much faster. I had such a different understanding of how to use my breath, how to use different tension points, how to stabilize, how to create and, and produce power and force. Like everything had changed. My experience with weights when I came back to them after five years of body practice, it was like a completely different story. So I yeah. can tell you. Yes, I'm, I, I firmly believe that everyone should spend significant amount of time learning how to move their body and whether that means that they take a little bit of time off external load, cool. You can always come back to it. You know, or if that means that you just cannot give up weights at all because you're just addicted to them and you love them, they make yeah. you feel great, cool. Don't get rid of them. Maybe just yeah. make sure that you're creating a percentage shift towards body weight exercises. Yeah, that Mike as well. I was going to say that's a part of the journey that I'm at now. Is where it's like it, it's like a battle in your mind where your mind's saying like, oh, you need to lift heavy today, but like, and then on the other side you're thinking, no, like, like for, for more health purposes, should I just be doing body weight or should I do my yoga? So it's a constant battle all the time. But like you said, it's probably just it's probably just about having that balance of doing heavy lifting every now and again, then listening to your body, and then going back to the movement. Well, that's what it probably is. Yeah, and that's what it is, and it's it's that, and that goes back to that idea of load variability. And so, if you're if you're lifting weights, if you have a heavy lifting day, awesome. Maybe next time you go in and it's all body weight stuff. So maybe you're working on you know your body weight basics, so push ups, pull ups, you know deep squats or yeah. maybe single leg squats, some sort of row variations, some sort of you know pike push up or you know shoulder loading push up, um, and then. And, you know, you then you're like, OK, cool. I knocked out some weights this week. I knocked out my body weight practice. And now maybe I need some mobility flexibility. So now maybe you go and do some some animal flow or you go and do a, a yoga practice or you go and do some more mobility focused drills, you know, and that's it. It's like it's not doing something totally different every single day because you do need the, the ability to for your body to adapt. But it is keeping it multidisciplinary. Because again, we're we're our bodies are far too complex. Yeah. To just say, okay, it's one modality and that's it. If you do that, you are seriously underserving your system. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. that definitely. And uh, Mike, we always like to finish on some like quick and powerful questions that like really leave an imprint in the mind of the listener. So the first question, Mike, what challenge would you give to the world if you could give any challenge to the world? You know, I think I I think the, I think it's look, it's this simple. Go and try something new. Go and try something that's a new movement challenge for you. And for someone that can be that can be that means that I'm going to get up from my desk and walk, you know, around the house once and then come back and sit down. For someone else that may mean that they're going to they've been doing their their weight trainings, and so now they're going to go try and do a dance class. You know, yeah. it may mean that someone's been doing CrossFit style workouts for a long time, and they may go do a yoga class. You know, it's. I think that's my biggest challenge, and that's one of my biggest reoccurring messages, which is go and try something new. Get outside of your comfort zone because your body will reward you for it. And guess what? You may actually have a good time, and it may become part of your routine. Yeah, I like that. I like that. 
Mike, I'll, I want to ask you this one. This is a bit of a different one, but if, if like, imagine like you had a time machine, right? And you could go back in time and you could spend a month with like with anyone. Like, who would you? What mover would you choose to move with? You know, that's that's a really great question, and I think I'm 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 going to answer it, but I'm going to answer it in a different way. Um, for me, there are so many fantastic movers and so many different people that intrigue me and inspire me in different ways. I think if I had that time machine, I would abuse it a little bit and I would, I would go back to all of these points right before someone did something extraordinary that was thought not possible. Well, so let's say like, uh, what's the name? Like Roger Bannister with a four minute mile, right? So like no one, or, you know, there's some speculation there, but no one thought that was possible. But then it takes one person to be able to do it. He only held that record for 46 days, right? So yeah. it's showing what's humanly possible. And now you've unlocked the available potential that everyone else can walk through that door. And so and, and reason that I'm saying that is because imagine the electricity that's happening in that person and around that person when they're about to do something spectacular and something that's never been done before. Imagine yes. the, the ripple or the energetic imprint that that must leave. Like it, it just gives me chills even thinking about it. So I would yeah. love to go back in time and just be able to just go for a day and experience being observing that person up to that feet or up to that point. I just think yeah. that would be the most spectacular thing. That's a great answer. I, I, thought, you might have said, um, I thought you might have said yourself, like when you were younger. <laughs> and mike what would be your final message to anyone still struggling with being a prisoner in their own body um you know i think i think again just movement promotes movement your body rewards you for movement so I, th- I think another thing, you know, and this is, this is, uh, I'm trying not to get off into a tangent because sometimes I like to talk a lot, but, um, I had a really serious neck injury about two years ago and I'm still kind of battling it a little bit. I'm, I'm almost hundred percent now, but it, it had shut down some of my, some of my nerves and it completely turned off the left side of my, my upper torso. So arm, pecs, uh, uh, intercostals, everything. And it began this whole kind of this whole pain sequence and it led me down this whole road of researching pain and how the brain and the mind perceive pain and how extraordinary the body is in its ability to heal. But then how sometimes our perception of a healing is distorted because we're somehow hanging on to the pain. And so in saying that, there are so many people out there who are trapped in these pain cycles or feeling not well in their body or feeling like they're a prisoner in their body. And I think my main message to that is just realize and and come to that completely incredible understanding that your body is this miraculous machine and it 100% wants to and has an incredible will to heal itself. So all we have to do is take faith in that and realize that we need to give it every single tool that we can to allow it to facilitate that to happen. 
which is movement, which is breath, which is nutrition, which is um, meditation. All of these things, like we can't just say it's going to be this one thing. Our experience in our body has to be multidisciplinary and multifaceted. Yeah, I like, I like that. And you know what the thing is as well, like what resonated in my mind there as well, all these things are free any time of the day, any time of one. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. 100% yeah. free. You've always got it with you. Yeah, definitely. It was a brilliant answer that, Mike. But um, Mike, we normally ask like the guest at the end of the show, like, what's the next stage in human evolution? We wanted to change it up a little bit for you and like ask you, like, what do you think is like the next stage of movement? Um, you know, I th- I think that's a great question. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know what the next stage of movement is, but I do know that it seems like the next stage of movement will hopefully be more people doing it. Yeah. You know, and I think I think the popularization of different available options like Animal Flow, like any anything else. You know, look, Zumba was incredible. Zumba is incredible because it gets people moving and people love it and they smile and they laugh and they get to be silly. You know, and I think like we're seeing these huge things where people are loving to be part of something and it doesn't have to be so serious. There doesn't have to be this dogma or stigma attached to it. They can just enjoy doing it. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing. So for me, the future movement, I would love to, to just see it that, to where people see that they have more options and they do the things that they really enjoy doing. That way, they do it more often. Yeah, definitely. Oh, brilliant, Mike. I like to think of it as well, like the next stage in my eyes will be like people's pushing forward like through limits like pushing forward through speed, pushing forward through strength, and like there's never going to be a, a limit on movement. That's what I like to feel like is going to happen yeah. in my eyes. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, going, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, unlocking the brain and unlocking the mind and kind of taking off the, the governor, if you will, so taking off the thing that, that inhibits us, um, who knows what's going to be possible? You know, exactly. I mean, people in extreme sports are shattering these 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 laws of gravity all the time yeah we are we are the new limit that's the beauty as well isn't it it's beautiful man that's incredible so mike the last thing we like to ask you is where can people find you and what you're currently working on yeah so um it's on social media mike mike gbt is uh, instagram uh on facebook we have uh you know mike fitch uh to follow then also uh Global Bodyweight Training, which is the calisthenics uh, company. Then Animal Flow is the movement company. Uh, website, globalbodyweighttraining.com, which is where you can find the bodyweight athlete that I was talking about earlier. And then animalflow.com has upcoming certification workshops that we have all over the world. Wow, man. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been an absolute blast. And we do really appreciate your time. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks guys for taking time out your day to boost your consciousness. But guys, we really need your help. If you're loving the podcast, please pop over and leave us a review and tell us what you think. And also, don't forget to head over to our website at ascendbodymind.com and check out our amazing gallery of other great episodes. Thank you and have a great day and join us next week in the next episode. Peace 